Hey guys, thanks for joining us for the Dry Bones Army official podcast launch and you are in for a treat. I know you're here and you're listening or you're watching this because you want to be part of the solution to ending human trafficking and being a part of the Dry Bones Army and joining in prayer with people from all over the country, all over the world in specific strategic prayer to end human trafficking. That's why you're here. You're in the right place. And boy, do we have a special, special guest today. We have Dr. Tommy Grover here with us at the Dry Bones Army today uh, to get this podcast launched. And she is going to bring a wealth of information. Uh, you're going to learn so much. You're going to be so inspired. She's such a great human being and she really loves the Lord. She's got a deep knowledge of scripture and she's going to just share it all with us today. You're going to see a ton of value in what Dr. Grover brings to us today. So let's get started. Father in heaven, I just thank you so much for this day. I thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing um, in and through us. God, I thank you for every single person um, that's a part of this Dry Bones Army and the ones who are going to be coming and joining us, Lord. Um, bless each and every one that is within the sound of our voice today. Let them see you, Lord. We want to be vessels that are overflowing with your goodness. Um, and Lord, we do pray for an end to human trafficking. We are intentional and purposeful and strategic and specific with our prayers. We pray for um, this month of awareness and prevention to be effective. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would use us as your servants to do your work here on this earth and that we would be able to enter into your glory and into your blessing as a result of being obedient to what you've called and assigned us to do. I bless my friend from the top of her head to the soles of her feet, Lord. Thank you so much for her saying yes to being a part of this work. I'm so encouraged to have her with us today and um, let her message be effective, pierce the hearts, and let it be um, effective to bring uh, support to her ministry as well, Lord. We just thank you and dedicate this time to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. We are so blessed today to have people um, coming alongside of us on this prayer ministry. We have uh, a group that stretches all over the country and as far as I'm aware, even around the world of uh, people who read our emails and participate with um, these meetings. I know it's January. We're all back in uh, the swing of things after taking some time off for the holidays, after taking some time off to spend with family and to worship the Lord. So welcome, everybody. Welcome to the very first Dry Bones Army prayer meeting of 2024. And hey, I think this is a great way to start the year. January is Human Trafficking Awareness and Prevention Month, and that has been happening every year for over a decade. Uh, a proclamation was signed many, many years ago in the United States to announce Human Trafficking Awareness Month. I'm aware of human trafficking every day. I'm a human trafficking survivor. Human trafficking affected my life for 20 years. But I have good news. I have been free from human trafficking for almost 20 years. So March 18th of this year is going to be my 20th anniversary of freedom, of um, giving my life to Jesus. And finally, not only being set free from the crimes that were happening against me, from the sin that had happened against me, he gave me the answer in his love. And because now today I'm walking in his love, he compels me. <laughs> He compels me to do this work, to not only bring education, but inspiration and empowerment to people who want to be part of the solution to ending human trafficking. And one of my very favorite people to do that work with is Dr. Tommy Grover. She is an incredible personal friend. She has sown so much into my life, so much guidance, so much wisdom, so much correction. Now, if you have a friend who loves you, they are going to correct you when you need it. And I have had course correction more probably from Dr. Grover than any other friend because we've, we've invested the time to build a trust-based relationship. And I know that she is never going to lead me 
away from the Lord and away from his call on my life. She's constantly and consistently going to lead me towards him and towards a deeper walk with him. Um, but Dr. Tommy Grover is an educator and a subject matter expert on human trafficking. She has provided education, advocacy, and engagement through a variety of community and governmental assignments, including the Office of the Texas Governor Child Sex Trafficking Team. Dr. Grover wrote Compelled, and if you haven't read the book Compelled, you need to go get it. Dr. Grover wrote Compelled to educate the Christian church about why and how they can respond to trafficking. Tommy holds a doctor of philosophy and social work and ministry-based evangelism. And she is an evangelist through and through. Everything she does points to Jesus and the finished work of the cross. So thank you, Dr. Grover, for joining us today at the Dry Bones Army. It's my pleasure. Sometimes it just feels like you're talking about somebody else because I've lived all of this, but it's like, mm, that's God's work. God accomplished those things in my life. When people ask me about how I got a PhD while working full time and having two small children at home and a husband as well, uh, I just tell them, I look in the rearview mirror and know without a shadow of a doubt that God did all that. And uh, what he's built into relationships has been incredible along the journey. And I count it just such a privilege to be here with you today. Well, thank you for joining us. And I know that you have good work that you're doing today. And we're going to share with everybody uh, a little bit of information at the end of your interview so that they can partner with you. And I know that they're going to want to get your book. They're going to want to get more information on how to support you and the work that you're doing. So um, we have a little bit of a live audience today. We might have some Q&A as well at the end of our time together. Um, so I have some questions that I prepared for you, Dr. Grover, and if it's okay, um, I kind of wanted to get started by asking you, now I call this work, the anti-trafficking work that, that we do, the justice movement, capital J, the justice movement. So um, I've been in the space since 09, but I think you have a little more skin in the game, don't you? You've been doing this a little bit longer, but what inspired you to get involved in the justice movement and your work to end human trafficking? Like what was it that got you started in this? So I was working for a denominational body as director of community and restorative justice. And uh, that body had a resolution in 2006 condemning human trafficking. Well, as a part of that resolution, it became my work to educate uh, the church and the denomination about human trafficking as a part of the criminal justice pieces that I was working on, because I was teaching the church to do the work of the ministry in the criminal justice field, whether it was with victims, offenders, with the systems players, all the stakeholders, and what that looks like. And so that became a part of my work in 2007. And I did a lot of education through those years. And uh, one day I came into the office and they asked me if I would be a thought leader in another area. And I didn't even ask them what that could be. I told them if I couldn't do anti-trafficking work, then I was just going to have to go and see what the Lord had for me. And um, so they jettisoned my work and kept me on a retainer for a period of time that was supposed to be a year and it ended up to be five years. And so I was doing educational entrepreneurship uh, during that period of time and really digging into what it looks like. I also uh, uh, wrote the book Compelled, which you can find on Smashwords in a digital version for about three bucks. If you go to Smashwords and just uh, search compelled with my name, you can find it there. But uh, in that book, I tell the glorious ruination story. And that's what I call it. Because once you learn about this stuff, you cannot not know it. And I call this glorious ruination. And it um, becomes a part of who you are and what God's calling you to do when he demonstrates to you that he is at work in anti-trafficking space, that he is at work at uh, what what this looks like. And I think there was one passage that was my, my real introduction to what God's heart was about this. And it's Proverbs 24, verse 11 and 12. And I'm going to read that to you. Rescue those being led away to death, hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? 
Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? Whoa. I just was like, okay, I cannot unknow what I know about human trafficking. And I cannot say, well, it's not my job. It felt like a Smokey the Bear moment. Because everybody on the call has been raised up in a period of time when Smokey the Bear has been, because that's a 70 plus year campaign. What does Smokey the Bear say? What is his mantra? Only you. Yeah. And that's where it started. In 1944, that campaign began. Only you. And what I find in this passage is that God is putting the onerous of responsibility on each of us, just like Smokey the Bear. If Smokey had said, all y'all don't start fires, well, we would have known he was from Texas, first of all, because he said all y'all and knows that's plural, right? But it would have been everybody and nobody's responsibility. But when he says only you Mm. can prevent forest fires, only you can prevent wildfires, it's the same thing that the scripture is saying is that this is your responsibility. This mm-hmm. isn't somebody else's. This is each of your responsibilities. So only you can prevent human trafficking. Mm-hmm. Only you can hold back those staggering towards slaughter. And it's not like we're going to be renegades like Moses tried to be, but that we're going to own our personal responsibility and the equation of what it takes to address human trafficking in our spheres of influence and for those around the world who are vulnerable to that. So that's kind of where my Glorious Renation story started. And God continued to show me through the years that there was a lot more to this and that his heart was really wrapped around this issue of setting captives free and releasing the oppressed. And what does that look like? So that's the beginning. And um, I know that not everybody will start at that place, but that God's going to use something in each of our lives to compel us to, to act in this. It's a gift. That compelling is a gift. It helps us to find what we were created for, what, what our destiny is, what our purpose on this earth is. And I love what you said about Smokey the Bear, not only because of the only you, I mean, that puts it into such an easy to understand capacity, but I live in Colorado and so we do have like a real threat of forest fires. We we really do face that threat. Even in the city, there have been fires that have come very close um, at different times throughout the years. So it is a responsibility that we want everybody to take seriously to prevent forest fires. But how much more important to protect the precious, innocent lives of children who are now this might not sound pretty. This might not be what people want to hear, but it's the truth. There are children being sold for sex on the streets of the cities that we live in. And that's not okay. And that's why God has given us this this mandate, this ministry, this calling, this compelling to be a part of the solution to bring an end to this, this horrific crime. And thank you for sharing how you got started, but I want to know like what you're doing today and the, cause you've worked for the governor's office in Texas, kind of a big deal. You've worked for universities, you've worked for m- big ministries, um, but you're doing something new today, right? So how exactly do you do this work to introduce that glorious ruination into people's lives? So I think what we're doing today is the primary work. Prayer is the work. And everything else is God's reward for having prayed that we will learn, discern, we will approach this topic uh, from God's perspective. And so my goal with the work that I do, I'm now the uh, human advocacy director for a global mission sending organization called Go Send Me Global. And as human advocacy director, I'm starting from scratch, seeking the Lord about what it is that he would have not only missionaries in the field around the world, but also the church at large to do about this, this issue. And so I'm, I'm doing a lot of praying and observing, doing a lot of research about the roles and responsibilities of us as individuals, but also about us as a a church body, the community of believers 
And I also uh, do a lot of education and advocacy on behalf of the anti-trafficking um, movement, as well as um, I, I call myself a, a provocateur. I want to provoke people to good action mm. because every one of us, as we learn about this, have to be uh, taking responsibility. And so a lot of my education and advocacy is about that role. And then I want to prepare God's people to take their place in whatever capacity God has gifted them to. And um, people um, don't want to do the hard work of, of what that looks like. A lot of times they just want to say, well, tell me just what to do. And it's not, never easy to just say, oh, well, if you do this, then you'll have fulfilled your call. Because everybody has an Ephesians 2.10 uh, piece of who God created them to be. He, he created within them on purpose to fulfill his purposes in the earth. And that's a, only a piece that God can tell someone about. It's not my role to come in between them and Jesus and tell them what they're supposed to do when they need to be the one seeking the Lord about how to make that happen in their lives. And so... I, I do a lot of that background education, but I also want people to have opportunities to understand just how difficult this work is uh, because um, it puts you in the crosshairs of the enemy and uh, he's not happy when we take action that um, Jesus calls us to. And so I want to help them to be prepared spiritually physically, emotionally, relationally, and in every way that they need to be prepared in order to really do good work and fulfill God's commissioning for their lives. Mm. Yeah, that that good work means effective work. And I've worked with scores, if not hundreds of survivors over the years and heard a very common theme that they feel re-exploited within the movement. And so when, when you're talking about the enemy at work, when you're talking about preparing people to come up against the enemy, you would think that the enemy is trafficking. Like there's this picture in our heads, maybe we've seen a, a Hollywood movie with some good looking actors and a lot of action and lighting and, and camera angles that that show you that the bad guy is the this like really big monster who's going to go creep in the dark hallway or drive in a white unmarked van and go hurt children. But the root of this, the root of the evil of human trafficking is actually the love of money is driving the traffickers to turn a human being into a commodity that produces a profit for them at whatever cost to that human soul. But if we're serving a God, the, if we're serving the God who created the heavens, the earth, the universe, all of the universes, universes that we haven't even had a concept or a thought about, if that's the God that we're serving, it's an upside down kingdom. It's not going to make sense to us. And when he calls us into this work, like he's called you into this work, and he's given us an assignment to come up against that that evil, the root of all evil, the love of, of money. When, when we rise up against that enemy, he might start mouthing off. He might start trying to interfere with our relationships. He might start trying to um, raise all kinds of doubt and unbelief in our own mind that we're even doing what God has called us to do. What do you think is uh, are some of the obstacles? What is the main obstacle that prevents people from getting involved in this work? You articulated some of the things of misinformation and um, misappropriation of what the work is. I want to take you to Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, because this is where the work is. These are what I call the great actions. We know the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And there's many organizations that uh, will claim a banner under that, but they don't fulfill that as a part of their mission. When it says the, the great commission is to go and make disciples and um, as, as a part of their work, they, they don't integrate their faith into the kinds of work that they're doing. 
But the great actions often get missed, not only by us as individuals, but in our church communities and in our local communities. And, and this is, this is where it, what it says. This is from Jesus's uh, first proclamation in the temple when he was given the scroll, he unrolled Isaiah 61. That's what he had been given by providence, right? The Lord designed it. And he opens it up and he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor is verse 19. And some of the versions say where it says to set the oppressed free is to set the captives free. This verse was instrumental in me understanding the great actions that Jesus said, this is why I was sent. Later on in the same chapter, he says, this is why I was sent. And in right after this, when he rolled up the scroll, he said, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. So we've got to look at the misinformation that has guided people over the years and really focus on what is it that Jesus said he was sent here to do. And he said, you'll do these and greater things. And as a part of that, how do we fulfill what he has said we were sent for? Uh, we do that with clarity and wisdom and divine direction. When we don't know what to do, we have to be praying through and praying for God's uh, wisdom in ways that we do not have. And he will show us. One of the things that I talk about in the book Compelled is a fourfold approach, which is the word peer, prevention, intervention, education, and restoration. But after working four years for the Office of the Governor's Child Sex Trafficking Team and trying to um, develop coordination of care, I, I will add an S to that peers, which is systems change. Mm. And all of these things from Luke chapter four are addressing First of all, that the, the Lord has favor on those who work in these spaces. I'm telling you, if you want to know where the Lord's favor is, if you want to know where the Lord's at work, look in the darkness. That's mm -hmm. where he's at work. And these are some of the darkest places where he says he's been, he's anointing. His anointing is a part of what we can do to proclaim the good news to the poor. Poverty is one of the roots of trafficking because of vulnerabilities and lack of access and lots of other things. And I won't, won't take you to training on all of these topics, but when we proclaim freedom for the prisoners, we're not just talking about those in jail. We're talking about people who have been imprisoned by their, uh, the plight of their communities and uh, even their governments and others who have, who have been in bondage. Um, recovery of sight for the blind. There's nothing like spiritual blindness in comparison to physical blindness. And I think that's what he was talking about. It's not just blindness that's physical where you can't literally see, but people who are spiritually blind to what's going on in their lives and around them. And then to set the captives free, there's an oppression that's happening in the world today that has is unparalleled over the history of mankind. And I think we have to really think carefully and biblically about what our response is so that we're doing the right things in the right way. And we're informed with good information so that we're doing the best good work that Christ would have us to do. Just like he talked about, this is why I've been sent. So I, I want to encourage people to get the right information and the right resources and the right perspective on what this justice movement looks like, because there's been a lot of mistaken ways. Here, let me give you just an example from scripture. In Acts chapter seven, Moses is uh, been raised up in Pharaoh's home. He's a warrior. He's known for his eloquent speech. And he becomes aware that God's called him to uh, set his people free. However, comma, big comma, he takes matters into his own hands and he kills the Egyptian because he was mistreating one of the Israelites, right? Well, he, he stepped out of what God had called him to do prematurely, didn't get the right information that he needed, didn't understand what God was trying to do in and through him.
And because he killed the Egyptian, he had to flee. And that's when he spent the first four years in the desert, right? And during that 40 years, God was grooming his character to match the greater assignment that he had really called him to in order to set the captives free, but that he wasn't willing to hear before the desert experience. Hmm. But at the burning bush, we see a Moses that is saying, I can't speak too good. I can't do this. Can't you send somebody else? And the Lord shows him that he had purposed for him to respond, but in God's way, not his own way, not his own vigilante, Mm -hmm. if you will, response. And so we see a very different Moses and he was willing to be uh, obedient to the Lord only after a very long conversation, which is where we need to go first is to pray that God would show us what it is. And in that chapter, God shows him that he is going to indeed use him to set the captives free, but he's got to be obedient in the way that he does that. Ooh. I don't know if anybody else felt like God himself was speaking to their soul through Dr. Grover, but I'm definitely hearing from the Lord through you as, as you're sharing this story about my level of responsibility. And I love the way you talk about him, Moses standing before the burning bush and he entered into prayer, which wasn't him telling God what he can't do, but him having a conversation with God about what he's going to do. And that's a prayer. Prayer is a two-way conversation. There is more than one person involved. It's not just us shouting up at the heavens that are like brass. We have a God. We have, I mean, Moses was OT, right? He's in the, the Old Testament, but we're in a new covenant now. We have Christ within us. The hope of glory is within us, alive inside of us right now. That's how I know that he's real because he came to live inside of me. Yes. And Moses responded with the elders. I don't know if you remember from Exodus chapter three, but it wasn't like in the movies where it was just him going to Pharaoh to say, let my people go. It wasn't Charlton Uh, Heston. It wasn't Charlton Heston either. No. (laughs) And, and Aaron, God, God relented uh, and allowed Aaron to go with Moses. Right. And they teamed up so that Aaron would speak and Moses would do uh, the hard work of, of, being God's presence in that space. And um, in chapter three, verse 19, I think it is, um, I, I get tickled because I have this vision in my mind that Moses and Aaron and the elders are on their way and God's going, yo boys, they're not going to let you go unless the mighty hand compels them. <laughs> and he's talking about all of this is going to be because I'm doing the work. Mm-hmm. God, big I'm, eye, God, big big eye eye. not Moses. Big eye. God is doing the work. He says, "A mighty hand will compel them," and that's what God did. Moses kept telling Pharaoh, "You know, God's doing this. God's doing this," because Pharaoh thought he was God at that point. But they kind of set him straight after a few mm, unfortunate events, frogs, and you know. All the just parasites and blood, yeah, just a couple of bugs. But I think it it teaches us that no response on our part is going to be the solution. It's going to have to be God's holistic solution mm. that helps to bring about an end to human trafficking. Our part is to pray that He shows us how we fit in His response. Just like Mm -hmm. Moses needed to learn how he fit in God's response. We need to learn how we fit and how we do that appropriately and, and biblically uh, Mm. to honor Jesus's why Jesus was sent. That means we're not allowed to kill the Egyptians basically. Uh, Yeah, no. Yeah. So us going out and finding the bad guys and, and, Posting them on social media, exposing them, hunting them down. There are specific people that I think that God would call to do that, but they have to be under authority. 
Mm. They can't go outside their authorities in order to do that. So people who take matters into their own hands, start an organization and say that they're going to go and rescue people. Well, first of all, we've learned that rescue is usually temporary Mm. and that they don't have a plan in order to care for those individuals over a long period of time to restore them uh, to civil society. And they are very short-sighted. They think they're going to go in and be a hero and do these uh, rescues. Well, there's plenty of research that says it doesn't work. And that's where I want people to learn the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, because the, the movies would tell you that it's, it's okay to go outside of your authority, your assignment and go rescue. And it's, it's literally probably the most um, harmful thing that we can do for a victim of trafficking. And that's whether it's in the U.S. context or in the international context. What we have to do is provide a recovery that allows them to have opportunity to step out of trafficking because they're in not just physical bondage. A lot of times they're in psychological bondage to the traffickers, which means they need more help to get away from a toxic, uh, demeaning and uh, evil, exploitive relationship than just to physically get away from that person. They have, a, they have a lot more needs than we might know on the surface. And rescue is quite the misnomer. Recovery allows them to have a bridge to step out of an exploitive situation. Mm. And really recidivism is real. So when we're talking about the crime of human trafficking and we're talking about how to combat that crime, you know, the the easy way to solve the pain in our heart. Oh, my gosh. We don't want to think about children being raped. We don't want to think about a, a person being held against their will. And we want to just go solve that problem by rescuing that that vulnerable person out of that horrible, harmful situation. But in reality, sometimes. Oftentimes, especially in domestic sex trafficking, the, the trafficking that's happening within our own border, usually affecting American citizens, usually uh, the crime is committed by other American citizens, that those situations don't look like somebody was kidnapped, somebody was uh, held against their will. There's trauma bonds. There's this intoxicating uh, relationship that the trafficker spends a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of, of um, intention has been put into grooming the victim so that they participate in their own exploitation. And so it's not as easy to put on the, the Luke 4 hat and just go running in, kick down the door and swoop that poor vulnerable person up. And when we mistakenly go and rescue that victim and, and think that that's solving the problem, we're leaving the criminal who's committing a crime to go not only continue committing that crime, but now they're incentivized to find another victim. And it's not only the trafficker, it's the buyer. Texas, that's where I'm located, is the first state in the United States to have uh, purchasing a, another human being for sexual purposes to be a felony. And until we take this, yeah, congratulations, Texas, until we take this very seriously, because as long as it's a misdemeanor, the, the district attorneys don't have time for those misdemeanors. They don't mean anything to them. And it's just a slap on the wrist and they go on their way. But once it's a felony, then they can show felony convictions by, you know, getting their numbers up, even in this space. And it puts some more teeth to it. There's a lot of other ways that we think we can law enforce our way out of this. However, what we're finding is um, there's not enough prosecutions in comparison to the number of trafficking that pe persons that are going on, uh, people mm -hmm. be being trafficked, because uh, the cases aren't brought forward. The cases aren't prosecuted. Um, there's, there's a whole database on uh, what has been prosecuted and what's not even charged as trafficking, but actually is trafficking. And so we're, we're struggling systems-wise. We're struggling with our systems being able to address this. And I think that's where um, even, even the church as one of the institutions societally 
can take a role on this and really compel a response that's uh, demanding uh, the political will, the community will, all of the other ways that we can influence the will of the people to make a difference in this. And I believe that starts with prayer, that we pray God's will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, and that we personally take our own responsibility. We don't watch X-rated movies. We don't watch R-rated movies. We don't participate in pornography. We don't do the things that would uh, create the dynamics of demand in our community. We personally help others to understand that about 55% of all trafficking now is online that we need better laws concerning what it looks like in the online space to protect our children, to protect each other, and to really go after the criminal element, the nefarious pieces of this, this puzzle in a way that can protect all society and all the individuals who are in the, you know, seeing these images that create the demand and the dynamics for uh, sexual um um, encounters that are commercial in nature, God has a solution and we've got to seek that first. What would you say the one thing that we can be praying about throughout this month, as, as we remember that it's human trafficking awareness and prevention month, what is the one thing that we can be praying effective prayer, efficient, effective, strategic, specific prayer? How can we be praying for a solution? So I want to address what you said at the beginning. You said this is a heart issue and the heart of the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it is what the scripture says. And if the church is filling its role, it's not just accountability about those things that are people are engaging and it's women as well as men mm-hmm. that they're engaging in pornography. They're engaging in these, these um, um, relationships that are extramarital and all those kinds of things. I think we have to, as a church, own our responsibility to address the heart issues that we um, call each other to live pure and holy lives that before the Lord and um, help, help people who have addictions in that area to truly get help and healing. Um, Set those captives uh, free. Yes, absolutely. And I think um, people aren't going to take their Uh, personal responsibilities in this until they really dig deep into healing those areas that um, have been wounded in uh, sexual ways and or wounded by uh, others who have uh, committed sins against them. And that kind of healing only comes with a really good uh, amount of work. And uh, it could be counseling, therapy, whatever that is. But it's biblical in nature. It's it's God's restoration of the individual um, heart, mind, soul, strength, you know, top of head to sole of feet mm-hmm. and really doing the hard work. And I think we uh, don't want to do the hard work. And the church has been failing at providing opportunity mm-hmm. for people to really dig deep and to um, address those issues that are surfacing Um there are a few pockets uh, of, of hope and glimmer for churches that want to address this. But I think until we as individuals own our own issues and start down that healing road and seek out the healing that God has available for us, then uh, we can then help others on the journey. It's it's like what Second Corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 through 10 says, with the comfort that we've been administered is the comfort that we'll administer to others. And it's God's kindness that leads us to repent from those things, not our judgment against other people, but that we would remove the uh, log from our own eye and help our brothers who have issues and our sisters who have issues by holistically Mm -hmm. addressing what those things look like and how we can help people to heal. Healing takes a lot of work. Healing may take a coach like, like, Andy, you know, I know that you're an excellent coach. You coach me and <laughs> your coaching services for other people is one of those ways that people can find hope and healing is because you've done the hard work. You've really, really done the hard work and I'm, you continue I'm to do the still hard work. doing the hard work. <laughs> yes, you're continuing to do the hard I work. Was, I was reading that scripture this morning about the plank and the speck. just this morning. So thanks for throwing that in there. That's like a double whammy from Holy Spirit. Like (laughs) if you didn't hear it earlier, I want you to hear this right now. So, okay. Last question. 
a two-part question. Number one, how can we be praying for you? I believe uh, God has asked me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor from 419, Luke 419. And so I'm looking for people who can help me to be in the right places, doing the right things, proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor as we fulfill the 418 pieces of what it means to advocate on behalf of human beings. And um, I would I would encourage people to pray that God give me wisdom and clarity and vision about how to help churches and individuals to um, take responsibility and to have a plan as they move forward. Um, I also would pray that people would come alongside, uh, potentially partner with me uh, in prayer. And I have, I think we have a link to my uh, prayer newsletter that people can uh, get in the show notes and uh, join my prayer team, join in with praying for me specifically the full armor of God so that um, I can stand against the enemy and his, his wiles in my work. And then uh, two is to uh, partner with me financially to be able to support this work. Um, Go Send Me Global is a fully uh, fundraised missional endeavor. And so uh, part of what I get to do is help people to participate in the mission he's assigned me to by financially partnering with me. And I I would say uh, whatever God is asking you to do is an act of obedience that God will bless and he will bring favor to you for uh, whatever that act is. So if it's partnering with prayer or if it's financially giving whatever he's asked you to give, I can't quantify that for you. That's between you and the Lord. So I would say no gift is too small. No gift is too big. And uh, if we're going to see what God is doing, uh, grow and and see his favor on it, then we're, we can partner together to make that actually happen through the work that he's assigned me to do. And I really do feel anointed to the work. Just really come alongside, be a partner. If this is what you feel God's called you to do as your compelling response, then let me partner with you. And if you need uh, coaching, I can help direct you to somebody who can help coach you on that. Sandy's a great coach. And like I said, she would be available to you as well. So in the show notes, will be a link to uh, my page on Go Send Me Global. If people want to partner with me financially, they can do that there. I want to make sure that people know how to get a hold of you. And I'll, I'll put it all in the show notes, but some people might be listening to this while they're driving or something. So I'm also on LinkedIn. If people are on LinkedIn and they want to find me, they could do that too. Cool. That's a great way to connect. So I'll make sure all of those links are in the notes. And and we don't want to uh, let the time slip away without lifting up these requests to the Lord and without praying for you and praying for um, our our focus point this month is to pray for uh, the, the people who are being trafficked to be recovered, to be set free from the situations that they're in. So uh would, would it be okay if you start the prayer and then all land the plane? Would that be okay? Do you mind? Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Well, let's come into the prep. We've been already enjoying the presence of the Lord and we've already invited him into our time together, but let's lift up these requests to him in the name of Jesus. Father, I bow before you. Humbly bow before you. You are King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We praise you and give you glory and honor. We stand in awe of who you are. The fact that you would honor us by asking us to pray. May our prayers be sweet incense to you, Father, as we bring them before your throne, boldly asking that you would intervene on behalf of those who are victims of trafficking and exploitation, and that we would know that you are the one who is responding, that you would help us to know that you are the one who are is, is at work on be, on their behalf. Would you pray, would you pray with me that the Father would demonstrate his love? to those people who are being victimized and that there would be a redeemer that would walk alongside them to help them to find their way out, that they would find the Lord 
that they would come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that he would be the healer of all things that have happened to them. I pray, Lord, for the victims to have what they need in order to provide for their uh their, their, their physical, their emotional, and their spiritual needs, but also, Father, that there's employment for them to have a tangible way to work and to provide for themselves and their families that is not exploitative. Father, mm -hmm. would you redeem the years the locusts have eaten in their lives and that would, you would provide for them a way to help others who have been victims as well. Hmm. Father, I pray for your intervention, your holy intervention on their behalf, whatever that may look like and whatever the situation is. I pray, God, that you would help to prevent victimization in our world today, that we would do whatever we could personally to help people to know the truth about our relationships to operate in the spiritual realm in order for them to be protected from those who would be nefarious in their lives in the physical realm. Father, we know we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And we pray right now that the strongholds be broken, that the enemy be uh, cast out from the lives of those people who would become victims or who already are. We pray for their protection and your intervention to be real to them today. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Mm, thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you are the father to the fatherless. You are the one who rescues us out of darkness and you bring us into your marvelous light. I thank you, Lord, that I can stand. I can be an example of a life set free from this evil crime. And I thank you, Lord, that you did not uh, your arm was not too short to save me, that in every situation that felt hopeless Every single time I was ready to give up every evil thing that happened against me that tried to drive me into the pit of despair, you always sent hope. You always sent light. You always sent the, the path to freedom in front of my feet. And all I had to do was walk out of the darkness into your light. And my life was set. Free. And I know if you can do it for me, you can do it for others, Lord. I know that there are women, there are men, there are children being sold against their will. And that is not okay with you. You are the God of righteousness and justice. And you say that your kingdom is established. Your throne is established upon that. And so I'm believing with you, Lord that the, the righteousness that I've experienced, the justice that I've experienced, I'm just one person in this great big world, in this great big universe. If you could do it for me, you can do it for them, Lord. And I'm believing that they will be set free, that they will find that pathway to healing and freedom, that they will find that pathway into your presence, into your kingdom, Lord, and into your healing. I thank you that you set me free. I thank you that you brought me healing, Lord. And I'm believing for the healing and freedom of many, many others. Lord, I thank you for Dr. Grover. I thank you that um, she gave so much, so generously, so lavishly shared with us today from the depths of, of knowledge and wisdom that she carries, Lord, and experience that she carries, God. And I just pray that she is abundantly blessed that she will not be able to contain the blessings of the Lord that come upon her for her obedience to this call, Lord. I, I believe and just proclaim that you are providing not just your favor, but the tangible manifestation of that favor, that she will walk in that favor. She will um, experience and receive that favor in 2024 and all the years uh, uh, beyond this year that we're entering into now, Lord, 
I thank you that uh, she was so generous with us. Bless her in a generous way in return. And bless each and every one that joined us today, the ones who uh, are here with us live, the ones who are listening to this replay. Lord, let this, uh, some of these were hard truths, let them be settled down deep in the hearts, Lord, that that glorious ruination, that work of entering into your divine purpose, destiny, calling on each of our lives to be part of the solution to eradicate human trafficking. Let that take root, Lord. Let the scriptures that were read over us and released over us today be guiding posts for our lives, God. And let us see an end to human trafficking in our lifetime. We pray and we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh my goodness, y'all. Was that not absolutely amazing? Aren't you glad that you took the time out of your busy schedule to hear what Dr. Grover had to share? I know you've been inspired. I know you've been um, motivated by what she shared with us and the incredible amount of value. And um, real quick before I dismiss and, and let y'all go, I just want to say again, really, truly, thank you for being a part of the Dry Bones Army. Thank you for signing up for this information, for giving your yes to being part of the voice that's going to pray for the end of human trafficking in our lifetime. And I, I want to let you know that these uh, podcasts are only made possible because of the books that I offer at authorsandystorm.com. Click the button for Footprint Publishing, and you can get the Navi series there in ebook or in print. And um, the sale of those books helps to fund this uh, project through the Dry Bones Army. So I want to make sure that I give you that opportunity to learn more about human trafficking from a survivor. Uh, but because I survived, every single page is filled with hope because God was with me through all of the 20 years of my experience of being trafficked. And he's with me today. I just want to say thank you. And um, please subscribe to our podcast, like, share, let the world know that they can be part of praying for an end to human trafficking. They can sign up at thedrybonesarmy.com or at authorsandystorm.com. Hit that button for the Dry Bones Army. And we will see y'all next month, second Tuesday, 2 p.m. Central Time. We have a special guest next month, Danielle Freitag with Action 169. I can't wait for you to hear her heart and her wisdom experience and um, the way she serves the Lord in her ministry with Action 169. So thanks for sticking around to the end. Um, thank you for your support of Dr. Grover. Make sure you click the links down below so that you can uh, get in her email list so that you can connect with her, learn more from her. And God bless you. Y'all have an amazing day. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye.